We are in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Before we read his word, let us pray. God, we thank you again. We thank you for the privilege of gathering us together as your people. And we thank you for the many wonderful things you're doing in us and through us. And we pray, O oh God, that as we read again your word this time of the day, that your spirit will speak to us. The same spirit that spoke to Philip to go and preach the gospel to the eunuch. The same spirit works in us today. And I pray that we'll be open to his voice when he calls us to go and evangelize and to go and share about Christ. So God, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a continuation of the, uh, this chapter here. We, we stopped where, you know, there was a man who was told to go and repent because of his, his heart. His heart that uh, the Apostle Peter said was not right. You remember when there was trouble in the early church with daily distribution and a group of them called the Hellenists said that their widows were not being served properly. And the apostles said to the people, the rest of the disciples, to appoint seven men who would serve tables and then the apostle will continue in praying and the teaching of God's word. And when they appointed this man, we'll hear about two of them mostly. One of them is already dead because he was killed for his faith. He preached the gospel and they killed him, Stephen. And then when there was a persecution in Jerusalem, the only people who remained were the apostles, but the rest of the people were scattered in the regions of Judea and Samaria. And many people who went to Judea, well, I don't know what happened. All I know is that they preached the gospel and people got born again. The one man we read that went to Samaria, that is Philip, he went there, he preached the gospel, and the Bible says multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Because even the unclean spirit crying with crying with a loud voice, they came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed also. And there was great joy in, in Samaria. And so great things are happening through the hands of this man. Remember, he's not an apostle. He is a deacon, a man who is supposed to serve the tables. But God is using him greatly. And as he preached, Amongst the people who received Christ was Simon, Simon the sorcerer. The Bible told us in verses 13, then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. He followed Philip also. He, maybe he wanted some discipleships. He wanted to know what's up with this new thing that you know, you just came about with. I want to know more about it. I don't know. I don't know why he followed him. But we would see intently, uh, maybe one of his desires was what we saw here when the apostles were sent, Peter and John, to come and see what is happening. And they were happy that people received Christ. They came and laid their hands on people and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon the sorcerer saw that, he said, hey, can I give you some money? I got some moolah. If you can give me what you have. Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased by money. Repent therefore of your wickedness and pray that God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness 
and bound by iniquity. You're poisoned, man. Your heart is not right concerning this issue. And remember, the Bible told us he, he, he repented his sin. He heeded the word. He believed and he was baptized and he was following Philip. But too soon when he saw the miracle, he wanted to buy it. Because he was so used to doing things. He was so used to performance. And he wanted to continue performing. He wants to continue doing things. And now this one, he doesn't know the right channel to get it. He just wants to buy it. He was told your heart is not right. And so consider this. Consider that Philip has preached the gospel to many, many people and they have received. Many, many miracles have been wrought through his hand. And the next story that we have, and the title of this message today is Divine Appointment. It begins here in verses 26 saying, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down to, from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. You know, these things are not just written there for the sake of just information, but there's a reason why that is dropped in there. You know, consider this man who he's been serving in the presence of a lot of people. He served the women who, you know, there was complaining, say, well, you guys take care of that. You guys go serve in that department. And apart from serving in that department, also this man, as well as the others, they were well versed in the scriptures. That is why the qualification was a man of good testimony, one who is filled with the Holy Spirit and has wisdom. That means these people, they dedicated their lives also in the searching of scriptures and reading of the Bible and knowing the heart of God concerning all these issues that are written. And he's told to arise and go down to this road, down from Jerusalem to Gaza, and he said, this is desert. Think about, you know, whether it's ministry, whether it's work, whatever place you are enjoying. And then all of a sudden you're told to go to a place where is the desert. It's dry. There's barely no life in there. You know, if some of us wants to go to, you know, different towns, you know, there are things that we consider. Is there a big mall? <laughs> Is there good uh, hospitals? Do we have good schools? Do we have nice restaurant. These are the things we want to consider when we're, we want to move to the next town, right? And even where you're going to leave the estate in Akaj, Niamasafaras, Aman. What kind of place is that? It would, be, it would be hard for us to, you know, to flip it, just this location where you're used to a lot of attention, you're doing things and you're, there's a lot of recognition of what you do, and then you go to a place where there are no people, and you actually don't know what is going to happen there. You just go. Just go. This is the situation where Philip is finding himself. The Holy Spirit is telling him to go, go down this road. And put in mind or consider that this is a desert. So when you're making a decision to go, know that you won't be asking me for cheese, you won't be asking me for soda, you won't be asking me for all these things. It is a desert. So he arose and went. He was very obedient to the Holy Spirit. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. 
This man knew nothing about Philip. Philip knew nothing about this man. This man, I don't know if it's a journey that he took every year to go and worship in Jerusalem for a season. Philip has never gone to a journey like this in his life. This is the first time. So we don't know if it's the first time for both of them. But this man is coming from Jerusalem from worship. And the Bible tells us that he had great authority. If it was today, you know, just him going around the streets, there would be fleets of vehicles escorting this one man. You know, perhaps the, the big bikes for the police and then the police vehicles and then other vehicles accompanying this one man because they are important, very important people, if it was today. But he was in a chariot, and not everyone owned a chariot anyways. Still was an expensive kind of life. He was in charge of all the treasury. He was a minister of finance. Every money that comes in and goes out, he knows all the whereabouts. If he was a faithful guy, he knew that there was a lot of money, maybe in the treasury. If he was corrupt, maybe he kept some for himself, but we don't know those details. All we know is that he, he had gone to worship in Jerusalem and was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, there's the same Spirit that told Philip to go down that road, speaking to Philip again. He said, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip reigned to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? A very wonderful question for every one of us. I know we have read books. I know we are involved in you know, discussions, and we read a lot of articles, um, sometimes barely the Bible, but we sometimes read it when we feel like. But do you understand the things that you read from the Bible? Do you understand? Sometimes we read things and like, man, how, how does this relate to our lives to, today? All these Levitical laws and things that I don't do this and do this and you're like, how does that relate to my life today? You're wondering what is happening. God, why did you put this on paper? But if you realize, if you're a reader of the Bible, you realize that Jesus Christ is present in every page of the Bible. Whether it's just mentioning the name, you know, in Exodus, just the names, the names, the names, or thou shalt not do this, and don't eat this animal, and all these things. The Face of Christ is upon every page of the Bible. He wrote it through this man. And he's asking this guy a very honest question. Do you understand? Consider this is a wealthy man pulled by a chariot and he had other officials with him. And these people, perhaps he had, you know, people who are protecting him. The security are with him and many other people with him. And Philip, the Spirit of God, tells him to run and overtake the chariot. And when he was doing that, he heard this man reading the Bible. He was not just reading in his heart. He was reading it loudly. I mean... When last did you ever read the Bible loud, if not reading for the people, for your children, for your spouses, for the congregation you've gone to? Do you read the Bible loud? There are many books that have been written on how to hear the voice of God. 
Do you know the number one or the primary way to hear the voice of God? Is to read the Bible aloud because he wrote it. It is his word, right? So if he wrote it, you read it loud, he's speaking to you. And this man is reading the Bible or the scrolls aloud, and he has no idea what it is talking about. That is why it is a divine appointment that God caused this event to happen. I don't know if he possessed one or he just bought one in Jerusalem when he was coming back, and now he's just trying to figure out what is written here in the, 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 the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet. And of course, he was reading from Isaiah 53. He said, do you understand what you're reading? If the security guys were very sharp, this man would have not even heard anything this man was reading. Because they see a man coming, running, they don't know who he is, and they're here with their master guarding. Perhaps they could have stopped him and said, hey, you know, what brings you here? But this man comes very close. He overtakes the chariot and he hears this man reading. And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? You know, for this man to accept that he needs guidance is a big deal, considering he's a man of great authority. You know, some of us, we, there are things we don't know, but we don't allow people to, inf to give us information. We think we know it all. You begin a statement, they want to finish for you. You do this, they want to do it for you. Pumping themselves. They're, they're so puffed with knowledge, they think they know everything. This man, though he was in charge of all the treasury of the queen, there are things he didn't know in this life. And you can be sure, every one of us who is sitting here, there are a lot of things that you don't know. And some of these things we, we don't know because we don't want to ask or our ego has come between us. We don't allow other people to speak to our lives. We can't be told. We, can, we cannot be corrected because we know it all. Do you understand? No, I don't. Thanks. You want to help? And he asked Philip to come and sit with him, which means the chariot was large enough to accommodate two men to sit and to read. He was very kind. I don't know if he's normally kind daily or it is just for this day because this man asked him a question. You know, sometimes we, we tend to be kind and be nice to people only because, <laughs> only because, you know, one situation has come and we think we're very nice. On, on a normal day, on Monday, when we don't see you, on Tuesday, are you kind to people? Are you nice to people? Come and sit with me. And the place in the scripture where he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from him. He just, he got him at the right place to begin with. The very right place. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, man, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other person? We'll find out if the prophet was talking about himself or some other person. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, 
preach Jesus to him. That is wonderful. Beginning at where? At the book of Isaiah. Now he was reading it through. Through and through to him. Taking him step by step. For him to understand because he asked a very noble question. Who is the, pro- the, the, the prophet talking about? Himself or another man? That was the beginning of this journey for him to understand whoever the prophet was talking about. And this actually would be a great test for maybe for our pastors here and our staff and our volunteers. Just pick a scripture in maybe Obadiah chapter 3. Verses 1, and like, hey, here you go. What does the scripture say? Explain to us. And see how many people would fumble. (laughs) Actually, we should do that, right? We begin with the worship team. Here. (laughs) Just open the scripture like, pambana. (laughs) Explain to us what it says. Because think about it. This man, Philip, was a deacon. He was not the apostle. Yet, he was so well versed in the scripture that he knew every page where Jesus exists. (laughs) From Isaiah, he went, I don't know if he went back to Genesis also and came back, but the Bible just tells us from this point, He went forward and explained to this man what his question was. That would be a very interesting thing to know. (laughs) If you have read the Bible, you will not have a problem with picking it and saying, well, this is what I've read in the Bible, and this is what I believe God is saying to us through his word. That means, you know, when... Uh, uh, Peter said, we will dedicate ourselves to praying and to the teaching of the word. That did not mean that the rest of the people are not supposed to pray and to preach. All of them were to do these things. But this man, they were not to get involved because, you know, maybe there will be some partiality. Or you're going this way and people will think, You didn't come to this way because you hate them and all that stuff. They don't want to get themselves entangled with this ministry of serving table. They want, as they preach the gospel, people will look at them with all clarity. This is their job, to pray and to preach. And these deacons also, they served tables, but also they prayed and they preached. How could people receive Christ if they didn't know the scripture? You remember uh, the reason why Stephen was killed is because he actually went to Genesis. (laughs) Talked about Abraham and all this prophet and he came to Jesus Christ and he told them that you are a stiff-necked people. And they killed him. At least this eunuch was not a stiff-necked person. (laughs) He heeded the words of this man. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. He preached Jesus. This was the reason why the Holy Spirit was diverting this man to go and to preach to one man. Remember, he's preached to a lot of people. He's commanded a lot of attention. But friends, I I know many of us, if we're given choices, you know, to preach to one man or to preach to 10,000 people, we'd choose 10,000. Why? Because we would say, well, this is wisdom. You know, we're preaching to many people at the same time. Many people are coming into the kingdom, right? It's good. As powerful as it is to preach to a million people, it is important to preach to one person. 
It is important. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 2, he says, For I determine not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is my determination, not to know anything. You, you, your stories are nice, thanks. You have a great testimony. I thank God for you. You are learned. It is good. But I am determined to know nothing else except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want to know the power that rose Him from the dead. That is all I want to know. And do you know the goodness of knowing this Jesus Christ? That if you know him personally, you won't shut your mouth. You will want other people to know him as you do also. All these people, if they did shut their mouth, that would be a problem. <laughs> they receive Christ and they go and they talk. They talk and they talk. Or the question for us would be, what, what, what do we know about Jesus Christ that we can share with other people? Because sometimes God opens these doors and you're like, um, well, can I call my pastor? He will help you, he will help you. <laughs> my pastor will give you. You should know this. Know what is written. I think it's high time we go back to the basics. Reading our Bibles and praying every day. Reading our Bibles and praying every day. Not praying when you're in trouble and reading the Bible when it's convenient. He preached Jesus to him. Let me read you a little story here of a man by the name Edward Kimball. He was a Sunday school teacher in Detroit in the 1850s. When a young visitor told Kimball that he had no interest in knowing Jesus, he could not let this go. Kimball went to his workplace purchased a shoeshine, and began to witness to him. And before he left, this man Kimball, the man he was speaking to, his name was D.L. Moody, and he received Jesus Christ. This is a Sunday school teacher. Moody became a powerful evangelist who reached more than a hundred million people with the gospel. And Frederick Meyer's congregation heard about the American revival and invited Moody to London. He preached three sermons, and everyone was entitled Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Revival swept through the church, and Meyer's ministry was transformed. J. Wilbur Chapman came to Christ in Myers Church and eventually moved to Chicago where he led Billy Sunday to salvation. Sunday became a great preacher and Mordecai Ham was saved at one of his meetings. Ham went to become one of the first ten revivalists. One night in, in um, North Carolina, under Ham's large circus tent, where people stood shoulder to shoulder, a young man came to check out the spectacle. That night, in 1936, Billy Graham came to know Jesus. Because one seemingly insignificant Sunday school teacher was serious about winning the lost. 
generations of people around the globe were impacted by Christ. So, whatever you do, what you do for Jesus Christ matters. So go tell it to the world. Go tell it to the mountain, to the valleys, to everywhere. Tell people about Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whoever you will meet on the street. Maybe he's just sobering up from drunkenness. Share the gospel with people you never know. You never know. Just from a Sunday school teacher, people are getting born again and their ministries are blossoming big time. As much as it is important to preach to crowds of people, it is as well important to preach to one man, one woman, or a child. It is important. Now, as they went down, when Philip was still explaining things to this man, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? You know what this tells us? That apart from him hearing just about Jesus, Philip also taught him about baptism. He also taught him about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He also taught him about being involved, being in fellowship, and all these things he talked about. That's why when he saw the water, he was excited that, alas, you just said I can be baptized. There's water here. And you see how this is a very divine appointment? Because he was told before, this is a desert. So maybe he doesn't know if we need to baptize anyone. It's a desert. There's no water. But as they went down, they came to a place where there was water. <laughs> you know, when God begins a work, he completes it. It doesn't begin uh, here and then in the middle. He gives up like, well, maybe not today. Mm -mm. He begins and he brings it to completion. This man said, here is water. Then Philip also asked him a question. Said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. So before you are baptized, do you believe? Because sometimes you baptize people and, you know, you ask them the reason why they want to get baptized. They say, so that I will be saved. So that I will... You know, do whatever. People say a lot of things. <laughs> People say things, friend. So that Mamboyangu <laughs> Yende. So that the God will open doors. So that these things will happen. It is a symbol that you're dying to the former you and being conformed to the image of Christ after death. It is life and death. Dying to your flesh and living the new life in Christ. And you want, you want the, the world to know that that is what I've chosen, to live for Christ. Here is water. And listen to what he said. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Very important. So when we began, he did ask, who is the prophet talking about? The explanation was given to him, and now he believed that whoever the prophet was talking about is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's the Lord overall. 
if you believe. You know, this distance, they say, the distance between our heads and our hearts, probably 12 to 16 inches. It is the largest distance for things to travel. But it is the closest when people want to receive things. You might have a lot of information, but just to get them from your head to your heart takes a lot of time, a lot of years. This man, very quickly, because the Bible, the, the scriptures were very clear, he believed. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. And then he was dumped into the water. Remember, it was not a cup of water. It was not the sprinkling of water. He was dumped into many waters. He was a must. And so the Bible says here, so he commanded the chariot to stand still. That also still tells us that he was a man with authority. Whoever was traveling with him, he told them, hey, everything to a standstill. I don't know if these people with him, any one of them desired to also receive Christ, to be baptized. I don't know. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. Weird, right? <laughs> you think about it, the person who was explaining the scriptures to me, we talked with him. Perhaps I even touched this guy. He's a ghost. He does not exist. How am I going to tell my people, including the queen, that I just received Jesus Christ? Like who preached to you? Um, it was a human being, but at the end, it was a ghost. I never saw him again. He disappeared. It was the, the, the sole reason why the Holy Spirit was sending Philip was for this man to receive Christ, to explain the scripture. When he received, he will be baptized, and that's a done deal. Go your way and do other things. We're done. The reason why this was a divine appointment, that after he saw that Philip existed no more, the Bible tells us, he went on his way rejoicing. How do you go rejoicing after realizing the man who just dumped you in the water cannot be seen? <laughs> like next Sunday, we are dumping people here, and they're coming out, and whoops, there's nobody All is left in the water is probably hair or something. <laughs> There's nobody. But he went home rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. That is the end of this chapter. I don't know the exact reasons why the Holy Spirit raptured this man immediately after he baptized the eunuch. This is just my own speculation. It's not written anywhere. It's just thinking. You know, this is a wealthy man, a man with great authority. A man with a lot of money. 
And you're thinking maybe in his heart, maybe he's a generous fella. Maybe at the, what he was planning in his head, that hey, I've, I've had a man I've never known in my life. He just came, explained this cross to me. I have received Jesus Christ. And by the look of things, maybe he's a needy guy. Maybe he needs something. You know, he came here without a chariot. How is he going to go back? I don't know. Maybe he's planning that at the end of it, when he's off the water, he's, he's going to take a gift, right? Take a gift and say, hey, love offering. Go. Go your ways and the Lord bless you. I don't know. Maybe he thought of it. And you know, when these things, they come to people, very soon they can corrupt even good men. Money and things that we see. Say, hey man, maybe, you know, next time you need to fly to Ethiopia. I'll, I'll pay for it. I'll do everything. Just make sure you, you know, you have time. Come and explain these things to my people. I think they need it. It is a good thing for people to offer that. But sometimes also it comes as a snare to these people receiving it. So that next time you want to hear an invitation, you're like, I want to go there. Why? Because those people are wealthy. Why do I want to go and preach to them? Because at the end of it, I'll come home with something. And when it gets into you, you will compromise the gospel and your intention will always be to get and to get, to get and to get. And because God knows things ahead of time, maybe he was saving this man for future ministry so that it doesn't get defiled. And God just took him away from this situation. So that when this eunuch will be thinking, man... I was planning a gift, but oh well, let's see. You know, the Bible tells us here that when Philip was found in another location, this teleportation thing would be very nice. You know, you're preaching here and, you know, in a minute, <laughs> this is wonderful. And when people are trying to find you, uko diani. Like, God, I like this. This transport arrangement is awesome. I, who, who needs a plane when God is involved? Who, who needs a vehicle anyways? We can, we can just be teleported to these places. I want to travel today. I wish you would just teleport me. Whoop. It's wonderful, right? But you know what? God did not repeat that. So that you don't get used to these kind of things. Sometimes you got to walk for a long time. <laughs> God, God knows things and he knows our hearts. We can get corrupted too quickly. But these other places that he went, the Bible says what? He preached the gospel. In fact, in, in Acts 21... He's called Philip the Evangelist. Because they looked at this guy, you know, he's, he's always moving, always going from places to places, preaching Jesus to people. What a wonderful man. What a wonderful man of God. As I bring the worship team to come, you know, I know it would be very interesting for us to preach to a crowd of people but many a times also God calls us to speak to that individual person. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your colleague. Maybe it's your teenage child at home. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your sister, your brother, someone. There's always someone who needs the gospel. Always. But you know, many a times we've told the Holy Spirit, not me, not now, and not this way. 
Sometimes we think we can advise God. You know, he's telling you to do this. You're like, may, may, maybe Preston can do that, not me. I'm, I'm kind of occupied right here. I'm doing this. If he tells me to go to... Where? Where do people don't want to go? I don't know. If he tells me to go somewhere in the bush, there's no... No, no internet, there's no, no 3G, 4G, 5G, there's nothing G, there's only Jesus there <laughs> in the middle of that bush. There, there's no Rupamol, no Java, nothing, um, n- no hospital, there's nothing in there. And he says, go, what are you going to do? You're going to advise him? on the way you, you need to go, or how you want to do it? He's God. He's all-knowing. He knows our heart ahead of time. Maybe we have resisted the Holy Spirit before, but I pray, church, let's hear his voice. I pray that you will open up your heart to him. When he speaks, will not say, God, I'm not ready. God, I wasn't prepared. I'm still in college. I'm planning my wedding. You know, the Bible says, somewhere in the Bible, it's written in the Bible. People, when Christ will come, people will be marrying and getting married, right? Right? You just say, yes, I do. Boop, boop. See you in heaven. <laughs> that would be wonderful, right? I know those who are not married are like, no, 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 no. Kaka kwanza. Some who are married like, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come quickly. <laughs> come quickly. What are, what, what are we doing here? It is wonderful. Do you understand him? Do you know him? Have we put blocks that when he wants to speak to us, he can't get through? Or we just, we're just dismissing him. We don't want to listen and hear from him. Maybe we have disobeyed him in various ways, ways that are known to us. Maybe we are like the Ethiopian eunuch, say, who, who, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Do you know Jesus personally? Maybe he's present here today. He want to change your life. He want to do something to you. Maybe you were a believer before you backslided. He wants to restore you. Maybe you're just getting along. You're not really born again. He wants to help you. Maybe there's a struggle that you have. You're not even sharing with people, sometimes because of shame or because of judgment. You're afraid of what people are going to say. Maybe he's here today for you for that specific reason. Maybe this is your divine appointment. You don't know. But all I know that he is present right here. All I know that he wants to minister to anyone who is willing to be ministered to. All I know, that he knows your heart better than you do.
Heavenly Father, we thank you. For you alone are God. You possess all power, all authority. You're all-knowing. You know us. Those many things hidden in our hearts, you know them, God. We're asking this afternoon that, Lord, you'd come to our rescue. We cannot rescue ourselves. We don't have the power to do so. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot redeem ourselves. For them that are struggling with anger, unforgiveness, rage, outbursts, Lord, I pray that you forgive us. I pray that you will walk in our hearts. I pray that you will walk in any relationship that is at the verge of crumbling. I pray that you walk in someone's lives who wants to give up. I pray, oh God, by your Spirit, that you begin a new work in us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to us. You have spoken to the people of old. You're speaking now and you'll speak tomorrow. You're here with us, God. We need you. We need you. Revive us, Lord. Revive our, our, our dead bones. Cause us to be a great army. And as much as it is important to preach to many people, it is as well important to preach to one person. That one person that you will lead us to, I pray, that will not disobey your voice, will go out and preach to them. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.